and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by the co-host of the Sorry You're In My Seat podcast, it's James Kieran. James was kind enough to come onto the podcast with me and share his love of one of cinema's most legendary and instantly recognisable characters, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is one of those fascinating characters of pop culture. From the moment that he stepped out of the shadows in the legendary film Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, he captured the imaginations of millions across the world. From there, the character has enjoyed multiple movies spanning several decades and has continued to capture the hearts and minds of many a fan. It is true to say, though, that the journey of the character has not been a simple one, and that is something that we get into in our discussion. James and I go through the cinematic journey of this character and all he has to offer. We do discuss the most recent film in the series, that is, of course, Dial of Destiny. So if you haven't seen it yet, just be aware of that. The discussion does contain spoilers and it is around the 1 hour 23 mark. And I've thrown in a little extra something just to give you a fair warning when the moment does arrive. Right, that's enough from me. Let's just get on with the episode. This is Indiana Jones with James Kieran. Hello, James, and welcome to the Fundamental Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, yeah, you're here with another one of these topics that um, I'm honestly surprised hasn't come up sooner. And I'm so glad that you have brought it to the table. And it feels kind of relevant given a recent cinematic release, which I'm sure we'll get to. And that is, of course, <laughs> Indiana Jones. So, James, it's a mammoth topic. I just want to basically to kick it off, throw it straight over to you. What was your introduction to Indiana Jones? So um, you, like me, a fellow Brit. Yes. I don't know if you had it, but I do a podcast with my friend Aaron. And every Christmas, as a child, it used to be three movies. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. And on the BBC, they always had Razor Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with them. And my parents had them on VHS. I think it might have been one of the first VHSs I ever watched. So wow. it got me. It got me quick. It got me at a young age. And that's how Indiana Jones gets you, mate. That's how he gets you. It, do you know what? I have to agree with that. Yeah, it, it feels like <laughs> one of these topics that very similar to another one that's quite recent and I think is coming out just before this, uh, Back to the Future. That I did. Ooh, yeah. yeah, it's another one of those. It does feel like it's, well, it's the same time period. You know, it's the 80s. It's, um, you know, it's sort of intrinsically linked to people's childhood. I think you're absolutely right. Whether it's, as you say, you were alive at the time or if you were perhaps a bit younger, you kind of see it on rewatches and people passing it on. I mean, it, 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 yeah, absolutely. It does sort of embed you. And I think for better or for worse, because as I'm sure we'll get into, <laughs> it, they're really well made films, but they're also deeply deeply inappropriate for children to watch right <laughs> there there's some things that you don't pick up till till you're an adult and you're like wow i, I did not understand that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they're dark for one thing you know as well but as you say there's a lot of ad adult situations and things that happen that like you, say, you look back on with hindsight and you go i watched this as a child <laughs> I'm always surprised, especially by the second one. So the Temple of Doom, obviously, it's really dark. Mm. It's of the, the original trilogy. It's the one that helped pave way along with Ghostbusters for the PG rating. Right. And still, when you watch it, when you still watch it, you still think, still probably more than a PG. Yeah. Was it 12? I do apologise. It might have been... I think it... Whatever Ghostbusters helped birth. Yeah. This was also an example. I, I think it was the PG, PG-13. 
Um, doesn't make sense, does it? It, it really, <laughs> really doesn't. No, again, you're absolutely right. It's it's one of those you look back on and you go, but how? Um, yeah. It's kind of like how Jaws for the longest time was a PG. I think recently bumped up to a 12, which makes a bit more sense. But yeah, you sort of, that was one, another one like this in my childhood that you'd kind of revisit and go, yeah, probably wasn't really appropriate for me as a small child to be watching this. Especially because the fifth movie came out. Mm. And uh, I don't know about you, but when a film in a franchise comes out that I really love, I, I make a habit of going back and rewatching them so they're all fresh in my mind yeah. so I can watch the fifth one. Something I picked up in uh, Rays of the Lost Art, which mm-hmm. uh, is that Indiana Jones had a relationship with someone he probably shouldn't have. That was something mm. that slipped by. You think, oh, oh, oh well, that's awkward. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know. Definitely. Oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's things like that for sure. I mean, we can get into all of this. And I tell you, what, I, I think a good place to start is probably just go in chronological order, I'd have thought. So, yeah, I want to go, go back then to Raiders. Was that the first one that you saw, or did you sort of see them out of order then if they were on, on TV quite a bit? I actually saw them out of order uh-huh. because um, I knew who Sean Connery was. Ah. Uh, because I'd obviously seen Bond as well. So mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. an old Sean Connery and my dad saying, Oh, that's Bond. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's old. What's, what's he doing? Oh, what's this? He's fighting Nazis. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so very quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy sell. Easy sell, for sure. But uh, I, I definitely, I, I genuinely rank Rays of the Lost Ark, the introduction of a character, as one of the best introductions of a character of all time. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping, sweeping shots of the Peru. You've got a young Alfred Molina. Always a great catch to see Dr. Octopus yep. in anything. I'm always a, always a huge fan. And then it sweeps. It sweeps this this and what we come to know as Indiana Jones is this epic score that really gets you involved and you mm. swing for the fences. You're so happy, but not that opening. It's crawling opening. You don't know what's happening. Yeah, man with a whip silhouette. He's wearing a fedora. Mm-hmm. That's not cool anymore, but it was back then. By <laughs> God, it was. So uh, yeah. I think as introductions go, it was it was breathtaking because he was the cool, silent protagonist. You didn't know what he was going to do. He had a whip and a gun, but I was more afraid of the whip. Because mm. anyone can have a gun, yeah. but who has a whip? <laughs> so. True, yeah. You're absolutely right. It is definitely one of the most iconic introductions of a character ever. Like you say, the stepping out of the shadows thing. It's a bit of a cliche now, but... It is now. Yeah, right? but you think at the time, what an intro. And the <laughs> fact that it is Harrison Ford playing as well, who is just one of the coolest actors in Hollywood, period. But especially at this point, right, you know, he's sort of... I think he's post Star Wars and stuff like that. You know, he is just one of the coolest guys on the planet. So it it all works. It all comes together nicely. He's perfected the five o'clock shadow in this film. Oh, it's yeah. never gonna look better than mm-hmm. it is at this moment. But then as soon as you're introduced, mm. it's it's it, what you get then is the adventure. Mm. And it's something that I you know, hands up, I'm not the biggest George Lucas or Steven Spielberg fan. Mm-hmm. I always I think they over they overproduce their films sometimes, mm. but you know, opening up, he's got the idol, the, the famous scene where he's trying to judge it based on its weight with sand in his hands so he can replace it. And then mm. there's the, it just gets it wrong. And then there's the boulder chasing him. Everyone remembers the boulder. You haven't even seen Indiana Jones, Rays of the Lost Ark, and you still know that scene with the boulder. Yeah. They turned it into a theme park attraction. It's, yeah. it's epic. And we're like 15 minutes into this film. And mm-hmm. Indiana Jones is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, so. absolutely. Like you said, that, I mean, the intro, like you said, from the intro to the character, the whole like swapping of the idol, the boulder, like, like you said, it's the first opening set piece. And it just instantly 
is iconic and it's kind of what we talked about in in previous topics about this with all these big epic movies is the staying power of certain moments right and how they get referenced and parody and pop culture later and you're absolutely right it it fits very neatly into that category and if even if you as you said haven't seen the film you know that scene you know the opening of the movie because it's just so iconic um i mean that that straight away to me is like job done. You've you've entered into legend status, and you've we're not even like you said twenty minutes into the film. It's crazy. Um, what I really like as well is soon after that, and and this makes me a hypocrite mm-hmm. because it's genuinely a problem I've got with the later films. But there's there's very little time to settle down because as soon as he's escaped that, Alfred Molina's dead. Yep, which is a shame. See you in Spider Man Two. Yep, uh, and then you get and I I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I think your franchise is only as good as your villains. I don't root for mm. the villain, but I always want a strong villain. Yeah. And immediately we get the anti-Indiana Jones. We get, yes. uh, I believe it's Renny Belloc, played by Paul Freeman, who just waits for the thief to steal the idol, yeah. then steals it from them. In a great scene where he's just basically, they recognise each other. You know, they've been round. Yeah. You know, they know each other. I've, I've stolen from you before. I like the adversarial nature already. Yeah. And it's something that I do like. That does continue. I do love a good villain. And I've got my Paul Freeman. You mm. nailed it, sir. I don't want you to have this stolen idol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. Yeah, he is uh, well put. Anti-Indiagos. I hadn't thought about it like that before, but you're absolutely spot on. And again, all of that in the first sort of 20 minutes or so, it does such a good job of establishing who the character is, what he does, why it's fun and cool, why you're going to enjoy it, who the villain is, those relationships. It's super efficient filmmaking. And it makes total sense when you consider it Steven Spielberg, who is somebody that is notorious for being an incredibly efficient filmmaker. He is. I'm such a hypocrite. And because the, the things I'm praising for are then, but that's just me, I'm a hypocrite. Um, and then, <laughs> right. and I remember when my dad explained this to me, it because my dad, sorry, my granddad, I apologize. My granddad mm. loved film. We've always got that person in our life that kind of introduced you to film. Yes. It was my granddad. It was the carry-on films. You know, not everyone's perfect, but, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, you never know. It might be an episode of this show. Who knows? <laughs> not likely. But anyway, go on. <laughs> and he, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And he says, yeah, it's really action-packed because you don't have time to think about how stupid the film is. So oh. I was like, that's a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> But um, straight straight after this, and then we learn mm. the most important thing is he doesn't like snakes. And he's always got a backup plan, yeah. which is something that you always forget about. He he knew he might get betrayed. Mm-hmm. This old Chuck. Yeah. Bye, Chuck. Your one-off appearance, never see you again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's afraid of snakes, and then he's off to teaching. Because isn't that cool? Not only does he steal idols, mm. he's an archaeologist, but he has time to teach, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets... Inappropriate again, but mm-hmm. it was the 80s. It was a different time. People writing, I love you on their eyelids, which is weird. Did you ever do that in school? I mean, I, I've got me, I didn't. No, no. I think that that's, yeah, worrying behavior to say the least. Um, oh, it gets worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's, that's an element of it that, as you say, has been sort of covered extensively yeah. by people who are probably more qualified than you and I to talk about it. <laughs> um, but it's fair. It's totally fair because, you know, no film is above reproach or criticism and you know george lucas and spielberg i think it's more lucas in particular not to throw the man under the bus but i think a lot of his definitely lucas a lot of his (laughs) stuff kind of is a bit icky and we'll cover more of that when you get to temple of doom 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and it's, it's it's quite an interesting one because I don't know if you know much about like the sort of origins of this, like how it all came about. I used to a long time ago. Mm, I, I used to many moons ago. I'm only kind of familiar with it more so because it's been in sort of a lot of podcasts recently, you know, as the, the recent film came out. Um, so it's kind of refreshed my memory. But the basic gist of it is that Lucas, I think, really wanted to do like an old sort of pulp fiction, you know, pulp, uh, not pulp fiction, pulp. Well, I guess it is pulp fiction. Anyway, it is, yeah, 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 just not the Tarantino version of, um, <laughs> of yeah, those kind of old pulp sort of adventures of, you know, like say man in a hat runs around, shoots a gun punches bad guys, kisses women, and, you know, saves the day. Basically, James Bond. He wanted to do James Bond. Yeah. That's essentially it. But obviously, Bond's taken. So he wanted to marry those two ideas together, and who else to sort of tap up for this but your best bud, Steven Spielberg, who's, you know, pretty good with a camera, seems to know what he's doing. So, you know, he approached him, and they thought, yep, yeah, we'll, we'll make this work. We'll, we'll work on this together. And, and would you know that? And you watch this movie, it makes so much sense, particularly the Bond influence, right? You're just like, oh, yeah, this Indiana Jones is just James Bond, but if he was an archaeologist instead of being a spy. Yes. And hence the treatment of women. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where yes. a lot of that comes from. So if anyone was wondering. So here's a good point. I've got a question to ask. Mm. Obviously, famously, Tom Selleck was, you know, George Lucas yes. thing. he hates reusing actors. He wanted, he wanted, the mustache himself yes. to be Indiana Jones. I can't think of, I can't think of a world where Tom Selleck was Indiana Jones. <laughs> I just can't. I, I've tried, and that's yeah. nothing against Tom Selleck. That's, mm. There's nothing against him. Mm. It's that mustache, mate. It radiates. It would have taken up all the screen. And then someone was like, "Well, yeah. he shaved his mustache." I like my Selleck with a mustache. Out of he, to he wouldn't have shaved it. He would have. He would have done the Caesar Romero thing of like painting over it at best. Um. Yeah. No. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just. just <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what I wanted. To, if, an yeah. alternative reality. Yeah. We're doing. We're doing that show. That's, that'd be yeah. amazing. That's what. That's what would have happened. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm not the biggest Selleck fan. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not. You know, Magnum PI kind of passed me by. It was not not part of my childhood. Um. As someone who's seen one or both of the three men movies and his occasional appearance in Friends, you know, like that that's about my extent of his knowledge. So it is funny, isn't it? Because it's its trying to imagine some of the, the iconic stuff that we've talked about. With, with yeah, it, I, I'm with you. I, I, it, it doesn't compute in my head. I'm just like, I can't see it. And I don't know if it's just because Harrison Ford has just done such an amazing job over the years of playing this character i mean who who knows who knows right maybe given the opportunity he would have done a really good job but yeah I, i'm with you it's it's very hard to imagine anyone else in the role you know where uh, it's just and I, I, I go off on time yeah, go I'm for sorry. it go for it you, you know three men and the baby famously <laughs> yes. steve gutenberg ted danson yep. and and our, our our man the mustache, the mustache yes um, do you know who directed that I don't know. I can't remember. Leonard Nimoy. That's right. Yeah, Spock that's, himself. That's weird. We live in a world where that happened. Sorry. No, tan tangent upon a tangent, right? You'll love this. <laughs> so I recently, well, I say recently, about six months ago, had the pleasure of the guys from the podcast Nobody Asked For, and we were talking about good, bad movies. And in a bunch of the films we talked about, I cannot remember what the film's called. I'm going to look it up. 
now. So cue the Google jingle. Oh, what's his name? It's time to Google. I'm Googling just to basically double check, but there was a movie that Leonard Nimoy directed because he's done a lot of weird movies that involved, it was a story where um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think his first ever movie role, plays this yeah. young Amish kid that through some sort of weird happenstance ends up marrying a woman, like an actual grown <laughs> woman. And it's like this Obviously. whole bizarre adventure. I think because she is in a car accident with them or something. And like, it, I, I know I, it sounds bonkers <laughs> as I'm trying to explain it, but I just remember it was, it came up in the discussion. I might even just put the clip in from the podcast episode in yeah, here, yeah. just so for context of everybody, save me having to Google it. So give me give me some other ones then, guys, because this is amazing. I'm loving this. Um, I, should uh, we should we take the uh, choosing the wrong person? Oh, you're thinking you're thinking exactly the exactly that we same. go from one terrible Patricia Arquette film mm-hmm. to another, which was um, <laughs> holy, holy Matrimony. I've not heard of this one. So the 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 Leonard Nimoy directed Holy Matrimony. Okay, which. To, to, to break the plot down, Patricia Arquette and her husband, husband, partner, mm. yeah, partner fiance, I think, I think fiance, fiance. yeah, um, rob a carnival. <laughs> so not a bank, they rob a carnival and then run off to yeah. the fiancés. So it's not Amish, it's another, but kind of a, cu- a community it's like Hutter, that. Hutterite. Hutterite the, uh, community. It's basically an Amish kind of uh, community, yeah. Right. Where they meet the fiance's younger brother, played by like a ten-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> right. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his the, the his brother go out for a drive, and entirely because of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's actions, the brother crashes the car and dies. Whoa. Okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt then has to marry Patricia Arquette <laughs> because of Hutterite, like ten-year-old. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ten, ten wow. Old, and Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's first kiss was with Patricia Arquette because of this film. Good grief. And they then go on a road trip to give this money back or something like that. But nobody in the film comments on the fact that she's married to a child. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's directed by Leonard Nimoy. It's fascinating. Uh. So there you go, folks. That's what that was all about. Um, yeah. So yeah, Leonard Nimoy. Strange, strange choices in the films he chooses to make. But yes, tangent upon tangent. It's totally fine do you, here. Do you know what? I'm going to bring it back now in an expert way. Go on because then. as a child, I saw the film Indian in the Cupboard. And mm-hmm. it was like, that, that film makes no sense. Now, Yes. There was something about the 90s where mm-hmm. you could be extravagant and your stories didn't really have to make that much sense. You know, True. as children in the 80s and the early 90s, mm. we didn't care. We didn't mm. need believable characters. We didn't need John Wick, you know, hyper-stylized action hero. We needed it's a true. killer robot from the future to kill a child. You know, yeah. that made more sense to us. And that's yep. where I think Indiana Jones' strength is. So he told you I'd mm-hmm. bring it back. There you go. Indiana, Indiana Jones. So what happens next in the storyline is... Nothing happens, and then mm. everything happens. Basically, yeah. t- turns out, and this is something that's odd. The CIA, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the, 
and now hire Indiana Jones to to track down his old mentor. Yeah, whom he had, uh, whom he had an argument with because he slept with a daughter. Let's mm-hmm. get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and retrieve a golden cross that mm-hmm. will help will help them find the Ark of the Covenant, a telephone to speak to God. You got it, good, mm. because that's the storyline buckling. You're done. Yep. And then yep. And then it's great because we are introduced to um, Marion Riverwood, played by uh, Karen Allen, who I mm. always thought was a bit, a bit bit sad that she never got a bigger career because she was great in this film. I she agree. Is, yeah. She's the great mirror to Indiana Jones. You know, she calls him mm. on his shenanigans. Mm-hmm. She out she outdrinks some, I don't know, burly men. Yeah. You know, she's she's a badass in her own right. Lies mm. to Nazis. I'm on her side. Yeah. You know, Nazis will never be the good guy. Instant hero if you stand up to him. Absolutely. Fantastic. And Indiana Jones, this is where you start off with your trekking adventure. You know, you see the map in the background. You see the mm. transparent shot of the, the red lines. Let's be honest. It, they make no sense, but we as fans love them. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the things I was really looking forward to this year when I was watching The Dial of Destiny. I was like, oh, mm. I wonder how many travel shots we're going to get. Because realistically, yeah. that's all I care about. <laughs> it's so. true. It's it's so funny. It's basically the equivalent of like a video game loading screen, but it works, you know? Yes. And like you said, that's a great shout. Yeah. You know, but it's like, it's still engaging. <laughs> and I think a large part of that, if we're talking about some of the iconography around it, is of course John Williams' score, just yeah. lifting moments like that. Like you said, in any other film, you'd feel cheated, right? You'd be like, hang on a second, why am I looking at a map? Like, what's, five what's, minutes, yeah. yeah, what's going on? <laughs> but because it's John Williams, you're just like, this is amazing, you know? It's the I, best uh, map you've ever seen. It's so good. I, I, I genuinely think that score is one of my favourite scores of all time. Um, Same. And what's, what's really weird is it's it's in a list of top three, and they're all, I swear to God, they're all uh, John Williams. I, mm-hmm. I, you can't distinguish the man from greatness, and that's the most yeah. difficult thing. Um I do a podcast with my friend Aaron, and Aaron's a really big Danny Elfman fan. Ah. And I like Danny Elfman. I like Hans Zimmer. I think they're brilliant. The yeah. only problem is I imagine they wake up in the morning and I go, how am I going to beat John Williams today? And John Williams mm. just gets up in the morning and floats on a cloud because he's got, like, he's done <laughs> it, his head. When I yeah. looked at Indiana Jones, and I'm not musical in the slice, so probably the wrong person to ask, but mm. I don't understand where that comes from, that kind of jaunty, exciting sound that fits perfectly into a... This narrative the, mm. the theme weirdly suits the character and it's it doesn't make can you see indiana jones without coming the thing it's it's yeah as iconic as his hat mm-hmm. so a huge indiana jones uh sorry john williams fan mm. great score for this we see him going around but what is something you get as well as you get older is something you appreciate more as you get older is mm-hmm. the writing so there's a scene where mm. the evil nazi the evil nazi quantum <laughs> nazi <laughs> sorry um I, I wrote his name down because i never gave him credit his name's ronald lacy the actor yes and he plays the um the what the, the s the ss officer i think yeah the SS officer and there's a scene where he grabs the idol but it's in the fire so he burns it on his hand and he yeah. used that to create their own oh, i was so cool writing mm. that's that's genuinely good writing. I really liked that. Um, Indiana Jones now sets off on an adventure with Marion Ravenwood in Glot. She's calling him. They go see an old friend played by John Reese. Is it John? John Reese Davies. Uh, yeah. John, yeah. John Reese Davies. As Salah. Obviously, white white casting, white washing was, was more common back then. I mean, so well, Welsh, Egyptian. They're the same. They're the same. I'm joking. In, <laughs> in, the, in the 80s in Hollywood. That's, you know. 
Um, so that's one of those things where I would celebrate the artist, not... Uh, sorry, celebrate the art, not the artist. So mm. whilst that was a wrong decision, it's easier to look back 30 years ago now, 40 years ago. Oh, my right. God, I'm old. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think it's a great shout. Um, mm. It's again, great performance. It is great performance. Yeah. You can't, but, but that's why I always go back to Indiana Jones. It's, it's, what makes Indiana Jones cool for me is mm. always the villains and the supporting characters. Because we haven't even mentioned Marcus Brody, played by Demon Delk. Delholm Elliot, yes. who is phenomenal because if Belloc is the anti Indiana Jones, this guy's the anti everything. He doesn't. He <laughs> yeah. kind of like sl- not sleazes, but kind of oozes everywhere. Like he doesn't yeah. care. Like he's, yeah. and this is the administrator of a school. He's yeah. the sort of person that would definitely give you an A. Like it just, oh, God, mm. I can't be bothered. Just, just take it. Yeah, they're all fantastic performances, and I just think they fit expertly together. Mm. It. You know, sometimes it just works. On yes. paper, it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't We as, um, well, I don't know about you, but when before Indiana Jones, I never wanted to be an archaeologist. I don't yeah. wear wooden hats. I don't have a whip. But as soon as I saw this film, I was like, where am I going to get a whip in Lincoln, mm. in the middle of the UK? <laughs> yeah. well, I know, you know. Um, shout out to Rich Wilson over at Unequal Sequels frequently says that, yeah, Indiana Jones made him want to be an archaeologist as a kid. And it's only when he got older that, like the rest of us learned, they're like, oh, that's not what they do. That was oh, great, okay. that's, that's, that's what he does. He robs grapes. <laughs> exactly. You know, much in the same way that as a child, I was like, oh, Jurassic Park, paleontologist. I get to run around with dinosaurs on an island. No, that's not what you do. You know, but how, hey. I've got a question for you. Go in Jurassic, again, tangent time. Fine. In Jurassic Park, how, how does, oh, what, who's the guy that creates it all? Uh, John Hammond. name. How does John Hammond get away like learning a lesson at the film? He should have been eaten alive. He's the villain. He's the oh, bad yeah, yeah. guy. That, that, that's that, that Spielberg rewriting there to be like, you know, I need a, I need a friendly granddad figure in this movie. Whereas, I don't know if you've read the book for Jurassic Park. You've read it? I've, I believe, I've, I've, yes, I have. He does get his comeuppance, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. No, he, he's just yeah. the worst in that book. He is, oh, that's he is the version that he should have been in the film, which is just terrible. But I think because it's um, Richard Attenborough and... Yeah, he's just such like a friendly granddad figure. I think they were just like, yeah, we'll just we'll lean more into that. And yeah, I, I do agree though. By the end of it, you're like, but this is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you you uh, caused all of this. So I work in IT now. I'm a project manager in IT, and uh-huh. as I get older, I'm more on Wayne Knight's side. It's like, yeah, he, he you have to program like two millions of code line of by yourself. Yes, I would also oh, yeah. rob him. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. You. Yeah, justice for Newman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could see him as now <laughs> ever since watching seinfeld uh, to the point to the point where like that scene with the dilophosaurus where it pops his head around the tree i just hear jerry seinfeld go hello newman <laughs> oh dear genuinely didn't think we'd be talking about seinfeld no no it's fine <laughs> it's fine i've learned i embrace the tangents here it's totally fine um but i mean the thing is i guess to bring it back yeah to to indiana jones is it, it, it's one of those that as you say, it is just the perfect blend of all of these different actors coming together, the score. I also think the practicality right, of it, the fact that so much of it is shot on location, the stunts are insane. I mean, that whole, like, the sequence where he's, like, chasing after the tank and he's being, like, thrown around and he's dragged along by horses and all that stuff. I mean, obviously, stunt doubles interchange here and there, but mm. for the most part, all done practically. That's insane when you think about it. And when you're watching it, it's just, it's unbelievable. I remember uh, 
as a child on it used to be it's now CBBS I think they, yeah. they how do they do that and they showed the from the action scene in Last Crusade where he's being dragged along the tank right how he did it and that wow. stayed with me how it, like they they dug like a light trench and they put on like this small steel yeah. or plastic and they dragged him along yeah uh, at a higher speed than they meant to because he hurt himself mm. and I I love that that's the mm. sort of thing I. I kind of fall in love with just like um when they jump off the building and yeah. lethal weapon it's just like I, it's yeah, just yeah. iconic sh- iconic stunts which now mm. when you look back at it you go who cares that wasn't impressive <laughs> well you know as a child we're young and impressionable <laughs> well well you say that but I think it is still impressive you know and a lot of the stuff in this it's it's still pretty pretty cool to my opinion anyway yeah fair enough um there's mm. um do you know what, as well there's there's great acting that's not something that usually is associated yeah. with Indiana Jones there's a part where Marion's blown up. You think she's dead. You know, yeah. she's put in a I mean, this is a weird help. She's put in a basket and then explodes. But you know, get mm. over it. She's put in a clothing basket and then carried away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then put in a car and it explodes. You think she's dead. Indiana Jones is getting drunk because that's what you do mm-hmm. when this girl that you don't love yet, but she's all right in your mind. She's dead. Because he's James Bond. Because yeah. he's James Bond. He's hanging around with a monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, Belloc appears and yeah. basically goes to kill him, bum-rushed by kids to save his life. I mean, that's an iconic moment as well. Mm. I just it, Salah sends in about 6.5 million children to surround yep. Indiana Jones so he doesn't get shot by Nazis. Not mm. taking into consideration that Harrison Ford is about 6'4 and the kids are about 3, thus giving quite a big clearance <laughs> that you could, in fact, end up over here. But I think yeah. uh, Harrison, Harrison Ford, who's not probably the best actor in the world, his performance Ooh, okay. as a broken man is, mm. he's not the best, he's good. Mm. Um, but I just think here, in a role that he's born to play, he does give it a 3D, he gives mm. it depth. And it's necessary in the film, so it's not just campy action, it's grounded. Mm. Turns out that she wasn't in the basket that exploded, she was in the basket that got kidnapped by Nazis. So it's yeah. fine, you know, yeah. it's fine. You know, she, she's grand, time to throw Indiana Jones in a pit of snakes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what more can you do to this man? Yeah. And then, as you said earlier, with the stunts and the physical acting, I genuinely believe that Harrison Ford's best ability to act is taking a punch. And I know it sounds oh, stupid, yeah. but, but he, he, either it's the sound effects, which are amazing in this film, mm-hmm. but he has a fight with it. He has a fight with it. What I can only assume is a mechanic. Mm. <laughs> who yeah. should definitely be the leader of an army. Yeah. But it's a great scene with some mm. great punching sounds, some great battling. And do you know what's really cool? He doesn't win that fight. He cheats. The yeah. hero cheats. And also, early on in the film, and obviously there's a, you know, um, he comes across an adversary who's swinging his, knife, uh, swinging his swords around and he mm-hmm. just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Yep. Obviously, famously, he had food poisoning and he really yep. just didn't want to be on set. And yeah. I, think that's a, I think that's just a pretty, <laughs> he just went, oh, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And it, and it's an Indiana Jones thing too. He cheats. And yep. I love it. It's twice he cheats in this film. Mm. And the thing that you've got to remember about this first Indiana... I know I've just gone straight through it. I apologize. Go for it. Go for it. But, uh, but the best thing about the Indiana Jones, this Raids of the Lost Ark, is Indiana Jones does not affect the story at mm. all. As in, yeah. if he wasn't there, they'd mm-hmm. still find the Ark of the Covenant and still open it. And He's, th- it doesn't matter. Yeah, and the thing is, you can argue that about pretty much of most of them, really. Yeah, yeah. if not all. But that's not the point. And I think it's such a weak criticism when people pointing out, yes, I know the Big Bang Theory did the thing, but it's like that the whole point is the adventure. Exactly. And exactly. It's like, were you entertained? 
Yes. Was it an adventure? Yes. Was it incredible to watch? Yes. Then it's fine. Job done, you know? And it's it's just, it. that's the thing that always gets me about this movie. And to your point as well, I love the fact that he's a, a fallible hero. I love the fact that, like you said, he just gets absolutely his ass handed to him at multiple times and has to resort to, you know, cheating and, and, and sort of finding ways around things. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously he's not Superman, you know, like he's not this perfect, you know, morally chaste, wonderful hero that's going to do everything right. You're like, no, he's a teacher that's running around digging up graves. He shouldn't be there, you know, by all accounts. <laughs> like, you know, he's punching Nazis. He's getting into all sorts of weird scrapes. But I think that's, that all leads into, which is what makes the character so iconic, right? And so lovable. I um, yeah, completely agree with everything you've said there. I think as well is is right. So, and there's another thing as well that I always think gets forgotten because people say, "Oh, it doesn't affect the storyline. It doesn't matter." That's cool, mm. great. I mean, if if he doesn't affect the storyline, I don't know what film you want to watch. Do you just want to watch the right. Nazis win? I don't really get it. Yeah, but yeah. There's a fun, phenomenal scene mm. right at the end. I I think it's one of the most underrated scenes in the world, and the reason it's underrated is because whenever you mention the scene, everyone mm. says, "Isn't that the scene?" where Paul Freeman eats a fly. So oh, okay. obviously, famously, he's giving a soliloquy mm-hmm. and a fly just goes in his mouth and Paul Freeman's on a roll. He's giving the great soliloquy of his life. He doesn't mm. stop. The fly goes in his mouth. He definitely eats it. Yeah. However, that scene is actually Indiana Jones. He basically has kind of lost. She, uh, The Nazis have still got um, Marion. Doesn't have a choice, really. Mm. He gets a rocket launcher and stands on top of a basically a cavern and he's going to launch it and he's going to go. Mm. So the Nazis have got the Ark of the Covenant, they're taking it to a special place to open it and they're going to communicate with God and get mystical powers that the Fuhrer is going to use to control the world. Mm. And Indiana Jones has got a rocket and he's going to blow up the Ark of the Covenant and he's going to kill Marion. Mm-hmm. He, he has no choice. This is what weirdly the CIA have paid him to do. Yep. They've given him a mission. Yep. This is it. He's going to do it. He's going to bond it. Yep. And basically he can't do it because it's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, he's swayed by the power of. It's a communicate. You can communicate with God. He's an mm. archaeologist. He wants to do it. Mm. So while while he doesn't, because Marion's there and he decides not to, there's a part of him mm. that you know he wants to open the Ark of the Covenant. He wants yeah. to see what's inside because he's naturally curious. He's not the hero. Mm. He's an archaeologist. He's the greatest archaeological find of all time. Yeah, until like the third film, and then it's that. But you know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. true. But that's the thing, and I, I read a sort of oh, read I listened to a review actually on um the recent movie, and sort of something that was highlighted. And I thought it was a really good point was the line that he often says in pretty much every movie, right? It belongs in a museum. Yeah, people often misunderstand that as like some sort of colonialism, right, on his part. It's not. It's about the fact that he cares so deeply about these things, these finds that he feels they should be shared with people. They shouldn't be used basically for evil, as is the case, you know, with the Nazis or the Russians or whoever it is right in the film. They want to try and, like you said, take it for whatever power they can give. He's like, no, no, I respect the history. I respect the find. As you said, he's naturally curious because it's what he does for a living and he wants to either share it with the world or leave it where it is. And it's like, yeah, fair enough. You know, you can't argue with that. (laughs) You know, at least he's not trying to use it to win World War Two or something, you know, spread fascism. <laughs> um, I genuinely think it's probably one of the best films of all time. Yeah. It introduces one of the best characters of all time. It's got mm-hmm. great supporting cast. I like the villains. I think they're the, yep. the right side of campy and cheesy. Yeah. Doesn't waste Waffles. any time, as you said. 
Yeah, exactly. It, it gives birth to basically what you kind of gonna love about the rest of the films. You know, mm. there is there is a certain formula that they perfected in this film, mm-hmm. and also this goes on to other films as well. And what I mean by that is not Indiana Jones, but this type of film comes around every ten years, like zombie films. The biggest mm. example is the Pirates of the Caribbean. They are definitely uh, based on the um, <clears throat> sorry Indiana Jones formula. You know, yeah. a wacky different kind of character. You know. And I'm not saying that Indiana Jones mm. is the first either. It, yeah. it, this is this is just it did it probably the best, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I love this one. I think this is one of my favorites. I watch this every year. Nice. I think, I think it's. I think I speak for Aaron as well, my co-host on my podcast. He mm. also does it. He looks forward. He's got child now. He's he's already counted days until he can watch it <laughs> with his daughter, and she can understand it as opposed to just being like. I don't know. I don't have any children. Whatever children do. Um, yeah. My my fiance has never seen these films, and deep down, mm. I hate her for it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, obviously. I'm not a monster. Um, <laughs> I oh, I brilliant. don't know. I I don't know about you, mm. but the Temple of Doom, which is of the three, yes, the least the least liked. However, there seems to be a retelling of history now, where a lot of people are saying it's their favorite one. Mm. I don't. My only problem with this is I don't understand why it's a prequel. That's genuinely when I watch it, I've got no problem with it. It introduces me. Mm. It introduces Short Round, a uh, key Hugh Kwan, who mm-hmm. is quite possibly like one of the best side characters of all time. Everyone yeah. loves Short Round. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Short Round. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to see key Hugh Kwan as well come back, especially with like, yes. my favorite film of last year. And then the picture yeah. of those two hugging at the Oscars was was so heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was so cool and uh, made me, it made me want to see Short Round again. Mm. I wanted to... What's he been up to? Besides, you know... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he de- he's definitely now like one of those those characters, as you say, out of all the sort of characters of uh, of the past in, or the side characters of Indiana Jones, that he's had the, the most vocal outpouring, I think, from the fan base to, to come back, for sure. Yeah. And so, it, you know... Very different start. It's mm. not Indiana Jones as we know him. There's yeah. also like a kind of... I remember the opening. And mm. it's quite a famous opening purely because um, the gongs played. Yeah. And then, you, and then you get... I mean, I'm going to try and be nice because I've always been told to try and find the nice in life. Don't always, mm-hmm. you know, have a go at everything. Right. But if Willie Scott were to fall and break her ankles in the first two minutes, <laughs> I'd be all right with that. <laughs> Just one of the most annoying characters of all time. But but to yeah. be fair, she's supposed to be. So yep. Kate Capshaw does exactly what she's mm. meant to do. And you can't follow it. It's actually a really great performance. You're just not a fan because, mm-hmm. not to be horrible, she's no Marion Ravenwood, who no. I really wish was somehow still in this film, despite the fact it's a prequel. So I still don't really understand. Yeah, but, you know. yeah. And doesn't have anything to do with the fact that both Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were going through divorces at the time. You know, it does, mm. don't think that at all influences the character no. or the way she comes across, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Not, not at, all. at all. No. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like as well that this film opens, we've just missed out on mm. a better film because he's just robbed, well, I say robbed, he's just found the Emperor's remains, the first Emperor of... Right, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is the remains. And you're like, oh, I wish I'd seen that film. I'd like, that yeah. would have been awesome. But I do mm. think they tried to turn it into a game. Which is something I need to talk about later because the Indiana Jones games were amazing. I loved them. Um, okay, but it's but it's different. It's more action packed. As in, he's not mm-hmm. outrunning boulders. He's outrunning bullets. And then you yeah. get some of the, some great lines. Mm-hmm. You absolutely. What is it? Why are you laughing? 
yeah, what's that? No, sorry, it's what's that? It's like, oh, it's the antidote to what? Mm. The poison you just drank. And you're like, oh, come on, Indy, you should have seen that coin of mutt. They're yeah. laughing, mate. <laughs> it's, mm. But it's called cool. Anna I'm going to tell you now, Harrison Ford rocks a white tux. Not everyone yep. can pull that off. It, so, it's you the, know. again, if the Bond influence wasn't already extremely obvious, this, this film, this opening scene in particular, is just screaming that. And it's, and it's brilliant, though. It's genuinely brilliant. I don't know about you. You watch this and you go, I kind of wouldn't want to see a, a Bond movie, with, even if it's just a one-off with Harrison Ford in it. I feel yeah. like that would have been really cool, um, just from that opening bit alone. Um, and then, as you can tell, George Lucas is somewhere in the vicinity because they got an Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Airwaves, which... Yes, yeah. I, I hate when I know a film has got Easter eggs. Because right. I spend my time searching for them. Okay. And this is one of those films where someone told me, Oh, have you seen the Obi Wan thing? And I just spent the entire film looking for it once. It was just it just <laughs> there's a rant that no one needed to hear. Um, it's all right. But and then this is gonna sound really stupid. Mm. And again, bear this in mind for my hypocritical, you know, rant later. It's all right. They go in the plane mm. and the pilots just jump out. You know, good for them. They basically yeah. are flying the plane now, Indiana Jones. Willie Scott and mm. uh, short round asleep, knocked out, drugs, whatever you will. I think they're just asleep. Mm. And their plan is to crash the plane into a mountain. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the reason, and the reason the three of them didn't realize that is because they were asleep or drugged. Mm. And you just think, well, why in the park just shoot them? Like genuinely, <laughs> yeah. just I don't understand your plan. Why is it so? Like, just shoot them in the head. I know it's you know. Anyway, moving on, and they survive. Got no problem with how they survive. How do you survive an air crash? Well, you, you mm. get on a rubber dinghy, right? And you inflate it as you're falling out of the plane. Yep. And land in a rapids. There you go. Saw it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that answers the question of why did they not just shoot them? Because that scene needed to happen. It, it did. They needed to defy <laughs> physics. Yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because from then on, you kind of get some of the things that I think do taint this film a little bit for some people. And I can totally understand why. Like you say, the, the whole Willie Scott just being insufferable the whole time, like screaming. Um, and then also the fact, and then the cultural depictions as well that yeah. come up. All totally yeah, valid. Yeah, all totally valid points, I think. Absolutely. But I think that the core for me of this movie, and I, I, again, I want to hear sort of what you think of this. Like, I think why this film works so well for me and why I think it kind of works as a prequel is that it basically gives it's, it's the only film I can think of actually where it gives Indiana Jones the chance to do something that's more altruistic than usual. Okay. You know, in the, yeah. in the fact that he's not trying to rescue a artifact. He's not trying to preserve something, a piece of history. He's trying to help some kids out of slavery. It's actually a very good shout. I never yeah. even thought of that. That's how much I love the film. That's, that's I never the, even thought about it. But that, I think yeah. that's kind of to me is like what helps make this film actually stand up a little bit is and why it works for me is I'm just like, yeah, it did, the character has an arc in this story. Like when you first meet him, like you say, he's arrogant, he doesn't realise he's drinking poison, he's he's clearly there, just you know, he's not thinking, he's doing jobs for money. And then by the end of it, he's freed a yeah. bunch of kids and he's, you know, seems to have learned from it. Oh my god, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'd love that. And I think yes, it bleeds I, into I, like the previous movie of like why he's now like, no, no, I have to do this to help people or preserve history this, or you know, he's he's a bit more he's not just thinking about money. Yeah, he has to do this for the CIA because you know he's 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 in it <laughs> now. 
That's actually right. really, do you know what? I, ne- I, I never even really thought about it like mm. that. And I, because what I get, mm. as a kid, you, you usually are formed. Your opinions are definitely formed. And yeah. I really like how films are made. And I'll be honest, from a kid, I knew they weren't eating monkey brains. And I, knew they, weren't eating, I knew they weren't eating snakes. Mm. But I wanted to know, how did they pull it off? That's practical mm. effects. And I'll die on that mountain that practical effects are always, I'd rather see yes. bad practical effects than, than great CGI. It, it doesn't mm. interest me. Yeah. Um, and I've always really loved, and I, the first, let's be honest, 40 minutes of this film, not really much happens. You know, we have that mm. shootout, then they go through the Indian jungle, yep. come across a village. Uh, um, the real villain, the, British Empire have stolen three of the stones and yep. basically kidnapped their children. The yep. crops are dying, but also their kids are missing. So could you do yeah. something about one of them, please? Um, yeah. And then he's drawn to... And let's be honest, they did such a great job of basically making a palace look villainous. And it's... Mm. and I, you, we, I mean, you mentioned in the first one, jet setting. I think the stage design here and the... I think it's really cool. Like, I genuinely believe there's... Mm. An impossible temple under this palace. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But it looks, but it looks cool. Um, yeah. Short round as well. The fantastic and and do you know what? Willie Scott gets a lot of. Well, it's a lot. Of... She's not very. She, she's not a very good character, but Kate Capshaw mm. does a good job because we're not supposed to like her. So. Yes, ag- agreed. Yeah. The cat, the the um fish out of water. You know, she's used to being pampered. You know, mm. this she's walking through the outback. Uh, walking through jungle, sorry, yeah. being attacked by animals. There's a scene later where you think she's in her element, but it's not because it's, she's eating monkey brains and she yeah. thought that she was going to score with, you know, the king and it turns out he's a mm. child and you're like, oh, this yeah. again, this is weird. But, you know, it's yeah. good. She, she does, weirdly, she has great chemistry with Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, despite mm. the fact that like, you could never see them being together. Like, no. That would never work. No. But, again, absolutely think that is a great performance for a character that's I do imagine it's definitely the writing was dumbed down because mm. of what was happening in the director and George Lucas's life. But I still think that Kate Capshaw does a good job. She pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where she has to put her hand through bugs is a personal highlight of mine because mm-hmm. I genuinely believe she doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Move, movies movies exist for you to experience things. And I'm mm. repulsed by that scene. Yep. So it, it makes my skin crawl. It works. I can tell that she doesn't want to do it. It works mm-hmm. brilliantly. Yeah. <clears throat> but then there's the... But then there's the there's going to be sorry i go for it i just think just think in my head about that great scene where they're about to be crushed yeah like and mm. i just think it's phenomenal like his hat gets caught in the spikes that are coming down i always remember mm. thinking i genuinely thought as a child i was like i'm sure there's a third movie he doesn't die does he yeah and then remembered oh he's a prequel because he can't die mm. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't make any sense um from there i genuinely think um I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, the actor that plays uh, Molaram, mm-hmm. Armish Peru. Yep. I, I know that he got some slack for his portrayal, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning earlier, but I genuinely think he is a badass villain who has no storyline, and I miss that. Yeah. I miss when a villain's just a villain. Now you need to explore. Yes. You yeah. need to explore why. And he just, I don't, if the guy just like steals people's hearts and dips them in lava, he doesn't give a toss, and I absolutely mm. adore that. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying as well. Bear in mind, like we said, this. You know, children watching this film as yep. ritual sacrifice was happening. Yeah, skulls, bloody skulls are coming out of the ground. There's impaled like skeletons everywhere. Yeah, Harrison Ford gets zombified, as in he gets mind controlled. Yeah, slaps you know short round around. Oh my god, heartbreak. 
Yeah. Like the betrayal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I was going to say, never, never mind all the, the sacrifice and all the, the terrifying yeah, it's stuff. It's, yeah. It's, it's when he like knocks short round to the ground. You're like, oh no. <laughs> You're like, not short round, you know. <laughs> Do you know what? You're going to be happy one day. You'll just be like, oh, life's mm. great. And then you're just going to remember that Indiana Jones slap short round. Yeah. It's going to bring you right down. You're going to be devastated. But then it, I've really but, done. But then I don't it, want to watch that. But then it makes the moment where he kind of snaps out of it and you realize so much more Im- impactful, you yes. know? And like the look yeah. in short round's eyes when he kind of realizes what's happening and you're like, oh, oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, the relief. <laughs> what I love about that as well. Yeah. Is, so, so he's then put in. Oh, he's putting slavery, isn't he? They're, they're yeah. smashing rocks because they're trying to find. I always forget they're trying to find mm. more rocks, more stones that they stole from the. I think I'm sure so. That's what, sure, that's why they're digging. Mm. Yeah, there are because they have three. The village had three stones. Yes. No, the village. Yeah, the village had three stones, but I think there was five, and because of the minerals mm. inside them, they kind of glowed when you when you, they were from Shiva. I think. Mm. Sorry, it's been a while since I've seen that. I apologize. Likewise. Terrible research for coming on your show. It's all right. Don't <laughs> um, worry. Um, and then, short round escapes. You know, he 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 sleeps, and his first thing is, first thing he goes up to Indy and he burns him, and mm. he you know frees him for his mind control. I don't think he knew that was going to happen. I think no. he's thinking, "You slap me, I'm going to burn you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to come back and set fire to you." Yeah, and then afterwards, when he's like released, he's like, "Yeah, meant yeah, meant that to happen. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah." But then, right? So I genuinely mm. don't know how people think of this. You know, mm. How is this film going to end? Oh, shall we have a shall we have a chase? Through a mine shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. shall we have? Shall we have a waterfall follow him? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Shall we end it on a bridge? Yeah, why not? Yeah. How? Mm-hmm. How I does any of that make sense? It's nuts. Uh, but again, it, it leans into what we've seen in the other film and what you alluded to earlier in, in the following. Another great action set piece. You know, you, you watch that stuff, like you said, from the, the sort of mine the mineshaft chase which is basically just a roller coaster and it but it looks like so much fun like you're watching it, it looks it's like crazy so and then you get the bridge sequence you get all that stuff and i feel like in any other movie right that would just that would be the one that would be the yeah. one set piece and you'd be like oh that was spectacular but they just add these one after the other and like and like you say you kind of like i don't know how we've ended up here but i'm glad we have because this is brilliant so uh, so, so um you're talking about the bridge scene, you always forget. Mm. Like when you watch it, you just think it's it's happening. But as you get older, you go, it's not what the hero's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's different. That's cool. Again, when I saw this film with my granddad as a child, and yeah. I didn't realize I didn't realize what he meant till afterwards. It was like, oh, he was trying to kill Willie Scott. <laughs> it was like, if I'm going out, I'm going to make sure she <laughs> dies as well. Cool. Yeah, I can understand mm. that. Um, save the day. But this is what I don't understand. He doesn't save all three. He doesn't save all three stones. He only takes one back to the village, doesn't he? Because two of them fall out of uh, the rocks uh, because they're close again. They set fire and they drop down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. But again, I, I, I think, believe. I think by that sorry, point, though, it's kind of just like, do you know what? It doesn't matter. The main thing was you got the kids out of there. Exactly. Um, again, I, I think it's great performance. I know this film gets a bit of a beating. It's darker. Mm. But like, but like films of this generation that tried to do something different, it found its audience like 10 or 20 years later. Mm. I'm a huge fan of this. I think it's very underrated. Mm. It's so dark. It's so different. It's sacrifice. It's mm. it's horribleness. Despite the fact that the villains in the first and the third film are Nazis. Yeah, and they the melt. The worst villain, <laughs> and they melt. Yeah. Somehow, uh, Mulleran's the villain because yeah. he pulls your heart out. He tries to 
pull Indiana Jones's heart out whilst they're hanging off a ledge. That's yeah. so extra. Like, yeah. no one does that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. So I genuinely think, you know, Temple of Doom is dark. It yeah. is different. It's not as, I want to say, showboaty as the mm. first and the third one. It, it does take a risk, I would imagine. They said, oh, mm. got this great new action adventure story. What shall we do? Well, let's make it really dark. Let's, mm. you know, send him somewhere where, you know, Western audiences have no idea where to go. So maybe, you know, they could have liberties, I imagine, which is exactly why they did it. Because mm. at the time, they could just kind of make up whatever they wanted and it would fit. Yeah. And, you know, you can't do that now. But, mm. you know, it, it was all right. I think that, I think Temple of Doom holds up. I think so. And like I say, I think that the fact that it gives him the story arc of being self-centered, being money grabbing at the start to the end of, like you say, he's just giving the artifacts back and the people back and sort of learns a lesson for me is always like hammered home why this film is better than people give it credit for. And to what you just said a minute ago as well, it still works as an Indiana Jones film because it has some of those iconic moments. It has those Mm. great action set pieces. It has that practical stuff. It has a memorable villain. It It just ticks all the boxes. So I think I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's darker, but it doesn't mean it's worse. It's still a great film in this series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's gonna get much worse. So, oh so, yeah, yeah. I mean, You're... before we get there, though. <laughs> I mean, if you jump to the next one, right? So the third film, and this is why I think these work so well as a as a trilogy in particular. Yeah, where are we headed now? We're headed back to what the first film was all about. Which feels like so, a little bit of a course correction. I don't know about you. It does feel like, you know, they took a shot, maybe didn't work as well. Mm. Go back to what you know, go back to your basics. But as yeah. we've been saying, Indiana Jones is the archaeological version of James Bond. Mm-hmm. So they were always going to introduce James Bond's father into this film. Yes. And uh, obviously they were sat around George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and they genuinely thought by this stage they knew Harrison Ford had created one of the coolest characters in film. Yeah, And legend has it, the conversation goes, who is cool enough to be Indiana Jones' father? Mm. And, there was, and they came to one name, and there's only one man in the world who's cool enough to be Indiana Jones' father, and that's James Bond, the original James Bond. They only went after Sean Connery. Sean Connery was the only choice. If Sean Connery had said no, yep. they would have rewritten the story. Yep. And so Dr. Henry Jones Sr., because also we find out in this film that it's not Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. He's named after the dog, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts off with as well uh, long gone now but you always think that River Phoenix was probably going to be like the best oh, thing in Hollywood when they got older yeah and that this opening completely different so you have the the cool calm exist uh, existence cool calm entrance of Indiana Jones for the first time you had mm. like the wild wacky shootout in a bar mm. now you get kid Indiana Jones what does he want he mm. wants to get that artifact because it belongs in a museum. River Phoenix was a great choice for young Indiana Jones. It, yeah. Just think about the historiography of this character being played by River Phoenix and Harrison Ford related to Sean Connery. Could you have actually made mm. a movie star, a, a movie character as cool as you can? Absolutely. It is, yeah. it is from start to finish one of the best films of all time. Like, yeah. I, I, there's a big debate. What do you prefer, Rays of the Lost Ark? I know a lot of people say that the mm. first film has a lot more to do because it needs to build up your story. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs to create a world because if you're not invested in that story, you're not getting a sequel. However, I True. think the third one, the, the third film's, when was the last time you watched the trilogy and the third film was the best one? Especially yeah. back then. It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Good point. So to me, you open up young Indiana Jones, you find out where he gets his whip. You, you see that Indiana Jones is far. It's kind of a 
not a good dad. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. Runs, yeah. runs all the way home with his artifact, tries to tell to his yeah. dad. And he's like, calm down, Junior. Count to mm. ten. In Latin. All right. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. The police are outside, mate. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's... Steals, and then you find out Indiana Jones steals his hat from the henchman of the villain. It, there's mm. so much going on in this film. Turns out Indiana Jones, mate, he's got issues. <laughs> he holds on to a grudge for a very long time. <laughs> um, absolutely phenomenal. But, like you said, I don't think the villains were that well received. A lot mm. of, I just think people thought they were a bit basic. The second film, you know, whilst darker, could have done better. So you go straight back to type, you go straight back to Nazis. You mm. go back to a religious uh, Christian artifact. Um, yeah. But then you add the personal flavor of that. Uh, Henry Jones Sr. has basically spent his entire life looking for the lost... Uh, the Holy Grail. Holy Grail, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> uh, for the Holy Grail. And he has been kidnapped by Nazis. Oh, yeah. my God. This one, from start to finish, Venice, mm-hmm. Iraq. Yeah. Oh, I, the set pieces are brilliant, but the action scenes are phenomenal. This film doesn't mm-hmm. let up. It won't let you take a breath, but it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The chalk and cheese relationship between uh, Senior and Junior is some of the best writing. The chemistry they've had. I mm. when you when you watch a film, I don't know how you. I always think about what it must have been like on set because that's yeah. just how I'm wired when yeah, I'm watching yeah. like for when I'm watching Friends. I'm always like, I imagine they had quite a good fun making yeah, yeah. episodes of Friends. Yeah. When I watched Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, I was like, every day must have been amazing. Like you wake <laughs> up. Like you wake up as like, I get to do my scenes with Sean Connery. I get to do my scenes with Harrison Ford. Yeah. But then but then like I said, I love the supporting cast. So who do you get back? Mm-hmm. You get John Reese Davis. You get Denham Elliott. You get them all back. Yeah. The only person missing is short round, but you yeah. get them all back and they have so much fun. And then, oh my God. I've just lost my notes. Oh, okay. Who else? Uh, here we go. Uh, Walter Donovan yes. as a Julian Glover. Mm. Wow, what a performance. Like, the guy who was definitely a secret mm. Nazi. Like, like one of the worst surprises in film history. Mm. But it doesn't matter. Ernst Vogel by Michael uh, Byrne. These mm. performances are fantastic. There's iconic, iconic everything. Mm. The final action sequence, again, is it's not action-packed. It's adventure. It's Harrison Ford negotiating through traps while yeah. sean connery gives him advice yeah although he can't although he can't hear him he's like he's living through his son literally yeah, living yeah. through his son the idea that just because uh, if you want something so bad it will kill you is it's like mm. the it is the method it's the meaning behind all indiana jones films the thing that yeah. you want the most is the thing that kills you Raiders of lost ark they speak to god and he kills them mm. the temple of doom he wants the stones he you, he kills them mm. he wants the holy grail he picks poorly you yes. know it is it's so good from start to finish. And mm. I remember the scene really early on is the Venice scene. And that's mm-hmm. maybe one of my favorite action scenes of all time because I think it was the one I first remember watching yeah. and going, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, don't go between the boats. Go between the boats. Are you crazy? Just because yeah. they can't hear each other. It's really cool. And then there's, there's the fan mm. that's spinning and there's the, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Sorry, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. What a great film. A film that I look forward to watching. I genuinely yeah. get visibly excited. Um. There's nothing I don't like about this film. The mm-hmm. comedy is ratcheted up. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't come off as aloof. Like no, the scene no. where they're tied together and there's a fl- and there's a fire. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's slapped into my yeah. fingers. I remember as well. There's a scene where Sean Connery shoots the end of his own plane off, and he turns yeah, to yeah. Harrison Ford and goes, 
I'm sorry, Sam. They got us. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, it's so good. No ticket. Oh. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. It, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. A parody. It's a film that, it's a line that's yeah. gone beyond the film. Yeah. No ticket. She talks in her sleep. Um, you know, stuff yes. like stuff like that. It's just incredible. Um, shout out as well to Alison Doddy as, as Elsa. I think genuinely a really excellent yes. performance and a nice twist as well on on the female um, character in the story. Like a love yeah. interest that is a Nazi. It, You're like, ooh, okay, yeah. Who who at, who at the end? Mm. Who at the end basically has a choice? Yes, she chooses. She chooses poorly, but then yeah. But then so does Harrison Ford. And he chooses wisely. Oh my god. Yeah. And it's such. Oh, it's I, such. Just sorry. Just just remembering that. Yeah. Just the line, Junior, let it yes. go, son. And you're just like, oh, oh. It, <laughs> it just. It's so heartwarming. It's such a heartwarming, brilliant moment. Um. Yeah. Like I think. It, go on. So I was just. just no, 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 go sorry. For it, go for it. It's, it's the, that great sequence as well yeah. where. Uh, Elsa slips from his hands, so now he's nearest yeah. the Holy Grail. So he reaches for it, and he goes, "I'm nearly there, Dad." Like the desperation to like, is he trying to impress his father one last time? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. beforehand he doesn't he doesn't say anything. Mm. And there's a oh my god, Brian! Secondary characters. Mm-hmm. I talked about how much I love Marcus Brody in the first yeah. film. He's only in it for a slight, but he comes into his own in the third one. There's yeah, he is he is given the diary, yeah, and is sent to Egypt, yeah. I believe. And Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, gives a speech about, you know, 60 languages. <laughs> you'll, he'll fade away into the background. You'll never see him again. And then it cuts to him, and he's in plain English going, can you tell me where the train station <laughs> <Yeah>. is? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Or at the end. Yeah. Or at the end. And he's like, is he really that good? He got lost in his own museum. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And you see him, and he's running. He's the first one to ride off into the sunset, not having a control. Mm-hmm. There's also a heartbreaking moment where... Indiana Jones is on the is on a uh, I was gonna say train. Mm. What is it? A tank? That's it. Yeah. He goes over the edge. You're supposed to think, oh, he's died. Yeah. We know he's not. Yeah. Because there's half an hour of the film left, so yes. we is not. He's, well, he's yeah. not dead. But Sean Connery looks over the side and it looks so sad. It makes your heart break. Mm. And it's like, where is he? And then again, and I was talking about the comedy earlier. Harrison Ford comes up to them, clearly. Shattered, yeah. Looks over the edge. It's like, what are we looking at? <laughs> <laughs> it is oh. amazing. It is. It's absolutely brilliant. And as you say, a, a large part of that for sure is is the double act that is Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in this. Also hilarious that they're playing father and son. And there's like twelve years between them. I think yes. or something yeah. stupid like that. I don't even think it's that much. It's it's yeah. mental. Um, there's something about the Nazis though that are yeah. weirdly Indiana Jones's greatest enemy yeah and i think it's because it's based in some type of well actually i don't really know that much about it, but my understanding mm. is that um adolf hitler actually did believe in relics having this sort yep. of power and did divert yep, yep. a little part to it that's one of those parts of history which i've heard yeah i've never actually true. studied so, it's, it's true yeah so the basis of history actually makes it more interesting the story mm. and i really love when they bring the nazis back i know yeah. it sounds if, right, if you edit that out of context, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm proper cancelled. As heard films it here, folks. go, <laughs> um, I just I, I love the third film so much that mm. speaking to you and bear in mind I watched it two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. After this is ended, I'm gonna go watch it. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. And this is what I love about these series of films and why yeah. I think they're fun to discuss, particularly in the original trilogy, is everyone's got a favourite 
and it's and it's this is what I love genuinely, James, is hearing people's reasons why, because I feel like each one reaches someone on a different level. And yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's it is it does feel a little bit at this point like a greatest hits run in some respects, but not yeah. in a way that's like fan servicey or irritating. It's just it still some manages to be new and interesting, and just as iconic as everything that's come before. I mean, that's a that is no mean feat, right? That's that's. No yeah. small achievement whatsoever. That's actually when you think of it that way, it's fantastic. It mm. is. I think it's an achievement as well. That that nowadays is a bit different because we live in a yeah. world where we've had Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there are trilogies now. Back then, it was basically Star Wars and Indiana Jones and anything. You know, it was subpar yeah. trilogy. You didn't have trilogy films. Now we're so commonplace, we're so used to them. But yes, very rarely did you get to grow with a character over three films. And yeah. And we did, and I know, like, there's no character growth between Raiders of Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, but there didn't need to be. Yeah. You know, we, we had the characters we wanted. We wanted more adventures. Mm. And now this is where the problem is. We wanted more adventures then. Mm. And then when you wait 20 years, again, longer, you, 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 <laughs> audiences mm. don't know what they always want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tell you they want it, but be, be wary of what you got. So yeah. coming off the back of The Last Crusade, which I think is a cinema's one of great cinema's greatest achievements, a film, again, that really yeah. shouldn't work, a character that is somehow still cool and refreshing. And yes. that's something to forget as well. We weren't bored. We, we didn't have it crammed down our neck. Yep. Indiana Jones' films came out from 1981 mm. to 1989. So that's a very short amount of time to get quite a lot of Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we were fine with it. We wanted more. Mm. We were ravenous. And there's always something which I call the the British mm-hmm. the British deadline. We Brits know when to end something. You know, yes. our TV shows we go to two, three. After that, we're finished. Yep. People are crying out for more, but we know oversaturated mm-hmm. it ends, and that's why in America they go for like ten series, and it, it always peters out. It's never as strong as it ends. It's yeah, as, it, it ends never as strong. It's as It's true. It's it's rare for something like that to finish on a high. Yeah, absolutely. And Indiana Jones being three films was still quite a lot, but yep. ended. The British way, on a high, should have left it, have he, people, fantasy. He literally yeah. rides off into the sunset. I, exactly. I, I don't know what else you want from there. <laughs> he, 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 he's completed religion. You know, he's, yeah. he's proved... <laughs> he has. And let's remember this. And this, is yeah. always, this always gets forgotten. Yeah, this yeah. always gets forgotten. He proves the existence of God, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, it's true. That happens. Yeah, yeah. And no one's like, oh my God. Yeah. All right then. So where... Mm. And then, you know, it stopped. Harrison Ford went on to do other things. You know, he had a great career. Mm-hmm. And I really like this period because Indiana, uh, Harrison Ford said that Indiana Jones was his greatest character he'd ever played. Mm. And he didn't want another actor to play Harrison Ford. He was like, don't recast it. I think he did a little bit of work for the TV show. He, yeah. On I think, the last episode. Yeah. The young, a, young Indiana a, Jones, was it? The Young Indiana yeah. Jones. As a favour to George Lucas because That's he right. to pop the ratings. Mm. Um because it wasn't going particularly well. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't really a fan of them, if I'm honest. Harrison Ford was like, this is mine. Please don't touch it. Yeah. When I, when I stop doing the character, the character stops. And I like that mm-hmm. because I love mm-hmm. original ideas. I've seen the mm-hmm. whip-wielding archaeologist. I don't need to see it again. Give me yes. something new. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it was the 2000s. It was a dark time. You know? <laughs> I mean, do you remember it? We we were different people back then. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know what we knew now. Yeah. It was announced. It was mm. announced. You know, it's coming back. The yep. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's mm. different. Yeah. Ooh. 
Spielberg's no directing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, look at that cast list. Mm-hmm. I mean, Karen Allen's back. I love Karen Allen. You know, mm. who are you going to get? Who's going to be the villain? Kate Blanchett. I'm in. Yeah. Are you going to get even talk of Sean Connery coming in for a cameo, despite the fact he's been retired from acting for about mm. ten years at this point? Um, you know, everything about it should have worked at the time. Shia LaBeouf wasn't box office poison, so yeah. you know, yeah, should have worked. Ray Winston was in everything in 2008. Mm. So far, I'm I'm so excited. I took my sister to the cinema, turned it into a date. It was like, oh my god, mm. Indiana Jones is the best character ever. We're going to go watch this. Took yep. it to Pizza Hut before. Mm-hmm. Took it to Pete's Hall before I made a day of it. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, say, I was, we were gonna watch this, and I was gonna go back and show her the three original films. Ah. Like, this is what, this is why, you know, I, why didn't we do it before? Because I'm an idiot. That's why. <laughs> that so I went to Indiana yeah. Jones, sat in that cinema, mm-hmm. and felt like someone had taken my childhood out back and beaten it to death with a bat. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Do you know? Have you ever sat in the cinema and just, and just like, what's the point? Like I've I mm. I've never walked out of a film before. I walked out of District Nine because I was very hungover. Okay, and it was so loud, and I was mm. just like, I need to I need to sleep. Fair enough. And I fell asleep during uh, the Hulk, the Ang Lee one. Also fair enough. Uh, I, just, I just like I was like, no, I'm done. Yeah, but I was on a date anyway. <laughs> I just <laughs> fell asleep. Um, but you know, I stuck it out. Yeah, but this one, I. There was a moment I can pinpoint it where I just thought, "Oh no!" It's when he put himself in the fridge. I was like, "This is early to mm. peak. This is too early mm-hmm. to peak." Mm-hmm. So I've got no. It's you know Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford's a lot older. We get rid of the Nazis. We're in McCarthyism time. So mm-hmm. it's now it's now basically capitalism versus socialism. Kate Blanchett plays mm. a Russian who's obsessed with finding crystal skulls, which are apparently skulls left over from aliens mm-hmm. that grant you knowledge once you collect them all like Pokemon. It's yeah. weird. I, mm-hmm. I hated it. I really hated everything about it. It mm. was, and here's the thing. When you watch the original three, yes, they, their storylines don't make sense. They're over the top. They're, they they are borderline zany. He fights Nazis whilst trying to talk to God on the telephone. It's weird. Yeah. Still how somehow still like, not as weird as swinging through the jungle on vines like an homage to Tarzan yeah. in the Indiana Jones yeah. film. Yeah. It's he. So I realized as well that for some reason they thought the film was about getting Indiana Jones in iconic shots, mm-hmm. where Indiana Jones was in the foreground in the bottom left. And there was something amazing happening in the middle, and it happens twice mm-hmm. or maybe three times. One time's the nuclear explosion in the mushroom, which is an iconic shot. It looks amazing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with the storyline, though. And yeah. at the end, when there's a spaceship, and you just think, why am I still in the cinema? I should have walked out three hours ago. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's such a strange one, isn't it? Because on paper, a lot of this works. You know, it should work. You know, yeah. The idea of the idea of bringing him back, putting him in this McCarthyism era. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I can see that. So you know, it's a fresh new villain, interesting. Aliens, you know, fine. Okay, why not? There's been a lot of other weird stuff in this series so far. I, I can make, I can see that happening. Like you said, all the cast, all of it. It's just, I, I it's funny. I watched this in the cinema, same as you. I would have been, uh, yeah, in my teens. And I even I remember thinking at the time, this isn't a very good film, is it? You know, and like it's like not. you said, it's and it's 
funny enough, it's referenced in the episode that's coming out before this one. I think that early days, like, fridge thing just... Yeah, I think to that early on is when, I, from what I've heard of anyone who's ever spoken about this film on a podcast, that's always like the point where everyone went, I knew at that moment I was in for a rough ride. You know, <laughs> you felt like you were Indiana Jones in that fridge being hurtled through the sky. You know, it just, it yeah, it bad feelings, the, bad vibes. The thing is, just before that, something mm. actually worse happens and something amazing ha- like the Go on. The, so the first warning sign is during the credits, the CGI gophers. And it's like, yes, why? Yeah. What, what, mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. they came up at the end and it turned out that they were the crystal skull aliens and the like, <laughs> like de-evolved to gophers, that yeah. kind of would make sense. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But just to have a CGI gopher so he can look at Indiana Jones when he gets yeah. out of the fridge later. It's, it's, it's very also- odd. Yeah, it's very odd. And and the best part about this entire film, mm-hmm. and I think this is what kickstarted the film. I said, mm. I think someone came in and was like, "This is how we want to go to the warehouse where the Ark of the Covenant was taken in the mm. first film at the end," because the biggest pop in the cinema. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like the pop when you know Tobey Maguire came out of the pool as Spider Man, right, 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 right. <laughs> but but you know, people in the cinema went, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Was when they have a car chase weirdly through a warehouse mm. and. They accidentally smash a box and it's the Ark of the Covenant. And everyone, everyone in the cinema, that I was like, oh, that's that's the Ark of the Covenant. That's cool. Yeah, that was it? There you go. Your film has peaked. Yep. Six minutes in. It's true. Ray Ray Winston mm. is as as appetizing as <sighs> Jonesy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I, I don't actually mind Ray Winston, but no, not in John this. John Hurt. Mm. John Hurt criminally underrated. Uh, criminally underused. It feels like yeah. they crammed it full of actors, but didn't know what to do with them. And I don't. Yeah. I'm one of the peoples that don't actually mind Shia LaBeouf. The mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. of him being his son, it works I, on paper. It does work on paper, yeah. but also I don't understand why they do the the fake out mm. because they make a big deal about him going. I'm definitely not your son. Uh, you're, I'm definitely not your father. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah. we as an audience know that he's going to be because that's yeah. that'll be the joke because he's literally talking to him like, "Don't go to school. Your parents don't know anything. He's your yeah. son. You should go to school." Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and I, I, I could tell you, as MacGuffins go, yeah. the Ark of the Covenant looks cool. Mm-hmm. The Temple of Doom, the stones were different. They were they were a lot different from yeah. you know the box. The Last Crusade, you know, what did we have in that? We had the Holy Grail, um, yeah, the Holy Grail. We, we had like the template as well, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, at the beginning, we we've got skulls with like plastic hollow skulls with quite clearly tinfoil in them. Yeah, like. Yeah. Production value went way out of the window on this. Yeah, I think I I I don't really know where it went. I don't think they remembered what made Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones agreed. They, they it's like they threw everything at the wall, and what stuck was mm. in the film. Yeah. And there are some over the top action bits which mm-hmm. don't make sense. Yeah, uh, I, th- I, th- I think I think you hit on something just a minute ago though which is definitely indicative of the issue, and that's the use of CG in this film, which, you know, as, as a tool for filmmaking, modern filmmaking, makes sense, right? It's there. If you can use it, yeah. great. But I think you're absolutely right. It was, it was the heavy, heavy use of it, where, as in past films, as we've pointed out a number of times, the practical effects, the practical stunts help it to age so well, and it gives it that kind of early pulp feel, which is what, the films were all about in the first place. 
So like you said, to have it as like weird CG animals or like swinging through the trees or like balancing on cars in a, on a green screen, it just takes you out of it because you're watching it going like, I don't know what this is. Your, your brain just disconnects because it looks and feels nothing like what's come before. And I think that was a huge problem for people. So they've got this giant Russian henchman whose basically right. role is so whose role is whose role it is is to have a similar fight scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Where Indiana Jones takes on a massive mechanic who basically tricks him mm. into being, you know, shredded alive. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, trying to trying to keep it PG. But it's basically fine. Yeah. It to, but in this one, he loses the fight because he's an older gentleman mm-hmm. and he and he but he doesn't trick him. He saved at the end, because a load of really bad-looking CGI ants mm-hmm. come out and eat him alive. And it's it's chalk and cheese. It's, yeah. it's so bad. And then that stipend to the fact that Shia LaBeouf has just swung in with what I can only describe as an army of monkeys to yep. save the day. Yeah. I don't understand that. I like mm. I genuinely there, there's just a disconnect. I don't I don't understand. However, yeah. one thing that is it 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 thinks it. <laughs> I think the writers and the director, Steven Spielberg, I think they know they mucked up. Yeah. I think because there's a lack of yes. love in the film, if that makes sense. It's like they don't even mm. believe what they're making. I, I agree. Um, I agree. I think that's the thing, right? Is you, you go back again, go back to the first three. It was clearly a passion project. Yeah. You know, and like you it, said, this just feels very cold. They and, have. And I think you're right. It's very much like, what do people like? They like this. They like that. We'll throw it at the wall. We'll CG. We'll green screen. It done. Job done. Film done. And you're like, like you said, you sit there watching it in the cinema, just going, oh, okay. And and I'm a big believer in this. If, if anything creative, if you're putting your heart into it, if it comes from a desire to genuinely make the thing, that will always improve and that will always come through on whatever the project is. And film is such a big indicator of that, I think. You can, you can tell, right? You can tell when you're watching films, oh, the director cares about this. Oh, the actor is really invested in this. Versus, as you say, something that's like, should we just do another one? Yeah, go on then. I, it feels like they've run out of time. Like, they were, yeah. it, was 2000, it was 2007, yeah. and they were like, oh, people, people still want Indiana Jones 4. Mm. But it's like I say, audiences aren't the best judge of... No. What, what we want because if you give someone what they want all the time they get they get bored of it and i feel yeah. like i feel Hard like, agree yes and i'm not saying you shouldn't give the audiences what they want because no. that's basically what crossover universes have shown us is that if you mm. give us what we want or the audiences will you know go in droves to it however yeah that seems to be like the only model we do now so they want mm. people on the internet are talking about lethal weapon 5 so we're getting lethal weapon 5 doesn't even no. make any sense yeah. but you know um, Indiana Jones Four: Kingdom of Crystal Skull. It mm. was it was a kick in the nuts. I felt ill afterwards. Yeah. My sister surprisingly didn't watch the original three when she came out. I was going to say, that, but that's <laughs> uh, that's not fair. That's not fair. She was set up to fail. Um, also, I will say, as far as villains go, Kate Blanchett is one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I know she's like a critical darling because of some other films, and I don't think she's a bad actress by any stretch. She's obviously quite talented, but. It was definitely one of those situations. You look back at it and you go, this was horribly miscast. The accent is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. No offense. That- like it just <laughs> none of it worked. You were just like, yeah, this is this should not have been involved. Um she should I hope she fired her agent after that, because that was a huge <laughs> misstep. 
I, I, do you know what's really weird though is every time she's on screen I just think that wig looks itchy <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> bad wig no I don't know what the character's motivation is and by the end of it it's you know I, I, that was for me again one of those first indicators of like oh I don't think this is a good film when she steps on screen <laughs> and goes Dr. Jones and you're like sorry where are you from like what Transylvania right? yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 I was like I just was was she oh, just, was she dubbed by Steve Carell as Gru? Like, I what's happening here? Um, I, yeah. I genuinely just remember that Jim Broadbent's in this film. I'm just like, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, my notes were on the second page. On the second page, it says Jim right. Broadbent. Yeah, like, hey, it, yeah. 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 A great a big bushy beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bless him. Uh, and then what really bro- what really broke my heart was genuinely I was so excited about Karen Allen coming back yeah. and Marion. And uh, wasted, uh, yeah, wasted, but also not not as good. Is fair to say. And and Shia mm. getting the Shia LaBeouf's getting a uh, getting a bit of a passy because we we mm. barely mentioned him. But at the same time, I know yeah. it's, it's cool to not like Shia LaBeouf. I don't think he's you know. Let's be honest, no one's good in this film. Shia no. LaBeouf is no, no. It's not worse than anyone else. They, no, they're no, all no. crap. Mm. It's Ray Winston with his joke. He's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> so, definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, Sh- Shia LaBeouf just. He's someone I'm I'm fascinated by at the minute. Um, oddly enough, and this is I did not do this in any sort of preparation way. I just happened to listen to him on um a podcast earlier today, um, addressing a lot of things that have been said. And we won't go into it here because this is not the time or the place. Very interesting discussion. He strikes me as the kind of person that is trying to figure out a lot about his life and some of the mistakes he's made. And, you know, all the best to him if he can make amends and sort that stuff out. At this time, in this moment in time, 2007, 2008, it made sense to put him in the film, right? He was one of the yeah. bigger actors. He was up and coming. Again, on paper, it works. You're right. He's not good in the film. But again, as we've established, no one is. I, I, no. Don't, I don't blame him for it. I don't think he's the problem or anything. I think it's just like, yeah, he, he was just thrown in this film. Shouldn't have been there. Indiana Jones didn't need to have a son. He didn't need to have someone that was going to take up the mantle. And again, they kind of fake that out anyway. So yeah. again, it, like you said, it's on the big pile of ideas in this movie that just don't go anywhere. And you think, well, why did you bother? But hey ho. Yeah, it's very disappointing. But you know, yeah, it you you know where it is now, so you mm. can avoid it. Like, it is, yeah. And that does can only hurt you once. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. And it does neatly lead us into the recent. Uh, edition, the final one, which is kind of mad, right, to think about with the fact that, as you said, Indiana Jones 4 comes out like well over a decade from the last one. It yep. it does badly. Everything we've said, everyone else agrees on. Like, it's critically and commercially panned. Mm. So why on earth would you come back with another one? I think it's the question that everybody had, but they did. And James, I just want to throw it straight over to you. What were your thoughts? Obviously full spoilers, people. What is, what that? is that? Could it be? Oh no! It's a spoiler! Okay, so I'm allowed to talk about spoilers. In this Go one. for it, yes. So I like the fact 
that Harrison Ford is the main driver behind this. He said Crystal, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was not the way to go out with my iconic character. Mm-hmm. Disney obviously now had its plucky claws in it, and they will milk this mother dry. You know, Absolutely. there is not going to be an inch of blood left in this franchise by the time <laughs> Disney is done. What? Dis- Don- Disney in franchises? No, <laughs> never. So Harrison Ford is a big driver. He's like, I'll come back, but it's the last one. You know, mm. I'm. It's it after me. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was a kick in the nuts. Let's do it mm. right before I leave. Um, I love the fact that Stephen. Spielberg, I genuinely said Steven Seagal and what a world that would have been. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, uh, Steven Spielberg was like, no, I'm not doing this. I need to walk away. And I think yeah. James Mangold is actually the right choice. I like James Mangold's film. Yeah. I think yeah. he takes he takes franchises we're bored of and makes them better again. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Logan being the big one. So yes. great choice. Yes. And, and I will admit that I was interested. Mm-hmm. And Mm-hmm. The first thing that you realize is, and I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to break it down into the beginning. The beginning Go for it. Uses, uses de-aging technology. Mm. So while I am against CGI effects, and I told you I'd be a hypocrite later on, and here's where <laughs> I'm going to be the hypocrite. <laughs> the CGI technology works amazingly well on this part. Mm. Like Harrison Ford's fantastic. He's on a train uh, with Toby Jones mm-hmm. looking for a, a spear. On it is Mads Mikkelsen, who's also de-aged. But you have shenanigans that are more akin to the first second and third film yeah mangold's got it he understands i really love the first 20 minutes i was excited i was sat in cinema on my own because no one's gonna go see this one with me <laughs> sat in cinema <laughs> on my own i was excited i was like oh my god mangold's got it what a great way to say goodbye to this character mm-hmm. and i was really liking it and then basically the first half an hour is over the action scene is actually really long maybe too long you're getting a bit bored i, I never mm. But then I realized that in the first three films, the action scenes are actually quite long. They, the Indiana Jones has long extended yeah. actions. They're not fight scenes, but action scenes. So actually, you know what? I was like, oh, okay, it's a callback. I love that. I, I enjoy the old callback. Mm. Um, and then it opens, like, sorry, the film starts now in modern, well, not modern times, uh, as Indiana Jones is retiring on the same day that the Apollo 11 astronauts have landed back on Earth. And there's a parade. Mm-hmm. I love that because it's yeah. the spaceman has ended that is created a new era. Yeah. So basically on the day that astronauts have returned, Indiana Jones is out, is retired. He's out of a job. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's done. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great mirror metaphor. It's like mm. we're in the space age now. We're yep. no longer digging underground. We're going to the stars. Yeah. I loved that. I was so amazed. Interject Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'm a huge Phoebe Waller-Bridge fan. I think she's okay. amazing. I think she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I know a lot. I know some people don't, but I think she's mm. incredibly funny. I would have loved to see what that James Bond film was like before she snazzed up the dialogue because I I like mm. that film as well. So so far I think you know Helena Shaw was a good addition. She's Indiana Jones. She's got her own uh, child psychic, a lot like Short mm. Round. She's up to shenanigans, mate. She's uh, mm. stealing. She's what Indiana Jones could have been. She's stealing artifacts, mm. selling him on the side. Indiana yeah. Jones is a godfather, mate. I didn't like Mutt. Killed him off. He died in the Vietnam War, leading to the. Uh, divorce between mm. Marion and Indiana Jones, mm. cutting out the dead weight. I'm a huge fan. Mm. Mads Mikkelsen, terribly underutilized, absolutely awful. Mm. The idea as well is really exciting about Operation Paperclip. Yeah. So they use inspiration from real life again, which is, I love it when they do that. Yeah. That the US, uh, you know, saved notorious Nazi scientists who worked on the V2 rocket to help them get to the moon. Mads yep. Mikkelsen's one of them, very clever. Mads Mikkelsen 
who is a phenomenal actor. Yes. Arguably on the top of his game at the minute, can do very little wrong. Yeah. Signed on to the Dial Destiny, that's where he went wrong. He's criminally <laughs> underused, very two-dimensional, mm-hmm. and it basically he wants to get Archimedes' dial so he can go back in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you find out later is rule the... Oh, there's something we didn't mention. One of the most iconic mm-hmm. moments in The Last Crusade is Indiana Jones means Hitler. Never forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And well, Mads Mikkelsen wants to go back in time and, and rule the Reich. He wants to kill Hitler, yep. learn from the mistakes, yep. and basically win the war. Mm-hmm. So you're with me so far? Yeah. Yeah, he, they go back in time. Yep. Oh my God, the last is, is, I would say the last act is worse than the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh. And, what, and what hurts mm-hmm. is the first two acts were actually okay. Not great, they were okay. Interesting. The they bring back like John Reese Davis. Mm-hmm. John Reese Davis is obviously on the verge of retirement now. Yeah, you know, it's a cameo. He, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cameo. He he wasn't. I like that he came back. Same, you know, it, same. It made 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 me think that Mangold cared enough to be like, right, well, the fans will love this. Yeah. Um, I absolutely hated it when they were back in time though. Okay, it was it was terrible. Mm. I really didn't like it because why that. There's always been a line that kind of the Indiana Jones films never crossed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what maybe makes me hypocritical because I love mm-hmm. the fact that they open the telephone and speak to God and basically God tells them to die. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know I think that's pretty cool. Whereas in this mm-hmm. one, they go back in time. Mm-hmm. But there's no need for it. Like, they go back in time and Indiana mm-hmm. Jones is like, I'm going to stay here. And Phoebe's like, no. And then knocks him mm-hmm. out and drags him. It's like, so why did you actually go back in time? Wouldn't mm-hmm. it make more sense? Mm-hmm. Also... How? How? How has he created a time machine? Like mm. no one's ever gone like how? Mm. Oh, okay. it, they go back in. They go back in time. Is when I was. I lost it. I mm. absolutely lost it. It would have made more sense for me if it was nincompoop. Okay. <laughs> like okay. like like they fly. Like everything is the same. They get up there. They activate the machine and nothing happens. And then Indiana Jones goes and turns around. I was like, well, what did you expect? Mm. <laughs> like that, that that a bloke in the past had made a time machine. Oh, okay. Hated it, hated it, okay. hated it. Interesting. Are you not a fan? You disagree. I, I'm on the other side of the fence on this one, but I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm interested in this, right? Because, I mean, when this came out recently, like the reviews have been polarizing. And yes, I think what I... we've touched upon here is genuinely where the divide comes from. And I can, do you know what, James? I can completely see where you're coming from. I completely get it. Because I think it is one of those, like, it's a Marmite ending. I didn't love the ending, but I liked enough of what they did to explain it away. Because that was my first thought was, oh, you're committing to the the time thing. Okay. Yeah. And my first thought was, well, what's the mechanic? How's this going to work? Because there's no way that they're going to say that he built a time machine per se. But the fact that it was a rift in time, I was like, do you know what? I can get behind that purely on the fact that all the other previous movies have done mad stuff. Like you yes. said, like you've done the Ark Covenant, you've done the Holy Grail, you've done voodoo, you've done <laughs> alien alien scores. Like I'm like, do you know what? Fine, I I can live with the MacGuffin. Um, the thing that sold it for me, as much as I I really didn't like the whole like I'm gonna stay here. No, you're not Indiana Jones. Come on, don't be stupid. But when I thought about it afterwards, I thought, well, yeah, that felt a bit drawn out and a bit weird. But then I realized, oh, that's the point of the movie. And this is just my personal take was, and you said it quite nicely at the start, he's a relic. He belongs in the past. That's the feeling that Indiana Jones 
is feeling right with the opening of this film is people are moving yeah. on time's going on he's now in a place and he has a brief moment where he's like i can just die here and it, it, it to me it, i don't know if something felt actually quite moving about it, that was kind of like oh do you know what i could see a version of this film that ends with him just hanging out with archimedes and like living for like another year just being like i'm just gonna die here but it is obviously ludicrous. And as, and as Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, Helena, points out, it's like, no, no, you would screw with time so badly. You would mess up everything that you love by staying here and being <laughs> a selfish old man. So she just punches him and drags him back, which was a bit of like a, okay, yeah, like you're, you're pressed for time here moment. But I kind of loved the idea that this, the, the whole point of this movie is, is as you said, really, he feels out of place, he feels out of time, but it's giving him a, a nice send-off to be like, yeah, but you still have value. There are still people in your life that care about you, and come on, come on. Enough of this self-pity, enough of this grief. And I like that we, after that, got a little scene between him and Marion, just kind yeah. of reconnecting as husband and wife and being like, I think it's all in the line that, fair play, Karen Allen, I think gets a lot more to do in this film, weirdly, than she did in Kissing Crystal Skull. She, I completely agree. She, she's there for five <laughs> minutes, but the fact that she gets to say the words, are you back? I think just says yeah. it all to me of like, oh, okay, that's the point of this film. Quite clever on the part of James Mangold to realise that, you know? So like to kind of, like you said, cut out yeah. the chaff of Mutt Williams, no offence, but he's gone. <laughs> that monologue on the boat where he says yeah. about what happens genuinely moved me to tears i was like oh that's like because and that's just harrison ford just being harrison ford just like selling yeah. that moment that to me was is kind of what's made this film i don't this is the thing right james this movie was only ever going to be the fourth best indiana jones let's be honest there is no yes, way right. it could ever live up to the previous three so the job it had to do is just not be worse than crystal skull and i it's don't just, think it was yeah. And like you said, no, it, wasn't. it wasn't. And like you said, I, I, I can totally get behind what you're saying with the mechanic. It is very much like, I can see why it would split audiences. I totally get where you're coming from. As I said, for me, I just, I enjoyed the message of the film more than anything else. I wasn't really interested in the MacGuffin as much. I just kind of thought, I like the message. I like that it's about him getting over grief. I like that the Nazis are just as dumb as they've always been, that they're just so consumed dumb, with <laughs> yeah, because the, again it, it goes back to the previous movies of they don't see it the way indiana jones sees it as like this is an important piece of history this is an amazing artifact this is a groundbreaking discovery they just see it as i can use that to my advantage i can use it as a weapon and of course it backfires and of course it does what it always does in the other films blows up in their face quite literally Love that. Absolutely love that. Although I will agree, Mads Mikkelsen, yeah, definitely underused, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame because that's but. the sort of casting which you think, oh my God, that's going to be amazing. Yes. And my, my, so I genuinely, how I would have ended the film. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Is, this, this is my problem. If I come out of it and I think I've got a better ending, I'm like, well, you mm. failed because, you know. Okay. I, that's fair. Is, is that he says he's leaving and she punches him. Yeah. And the, the film fades mm -hmm. and then reopens present day at that site mm. and they're doing a dig and they find Indiana Jones's hat implying mm. that maybe he did stay there or maybe his hat stayed there and he came back and it leaves it up to you the audiences and that's how you end Indiana Jones 
therefore ending it because if he was retiring as well mm-hmm. it leaves it it leaves it with a finite ending mm. and i was just like that, okay. i thought that's what they were gonna do it was like that makes more sense to me but you know mm. chose well, I know. No, no that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah it's it is one of those i do think yeah that that whole getting him back on the plane could have been done a lot better that was my biggest gripe with that scene but it also kind of leans into the character of Helena, which has oddly been very polarizing for a lot of people. I wonder what you think of that. You say that you're a big fan of, of female coverage. I was fine. I, I think yeah. that I know it's the last film in the franchise, but you need someone. Mm. You needed new blood because what you thought Shia LaBeouf was going to be wasn't right. new blood. It was right. just so at least she's Indiana Jones esque, whilst not being a poor mm. imitation. I think she stands yeah. like you could. There could be a. I'm not saying that I don't want there to be, for the record. Right. But if there was a spin-off about her, mm-hmm. there would be enough storyline that you could get something out of it. You'd be like, oh, okay. Do, do you know yeah, what I, I think she that. is? I think Go she's on. Indiana Jones at the beginning of Temple of Doom. Yeah. She has. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, she's ba- that's what she is. She's just someone who's in it for herself. It's And that's an interesting complaint. People say, oh, she's not very likable. I'm like, is Indiana Jones very likable in the opening 30 minutes yeah. of Indiana of Temple of Doom? No, he kind of sucks. He's very selfish, and he's he likes punching waitresses, and like you know, like he's not a good guy. But he goes on that journey, as I said earlier, and I think that's kind of what she does here. You can have a deeper discussion about you know the, the politics of the film and all the rest of it if you want. That's fine. But yeah, personally, I'm with you. I was like, yeah, fine. You know, if they gave her a spin-off, I don't, I don't know if if it would work or if it's necessary. But I do agree. There's enough there for a character and. Serves a purpose. I think, yeah, nothing wrong with that. And again, it has some fun action set pieces. I like the different bits. I do think it suffers a little bit from the, the like, I don't know, the sort of conveniences sometimes of the fact that the villains just kind of keep showing up where they are. Yeah. And it, it kind of feels a bit like, okay, are you really that far ahead of them? Or is like, I don't know. It just seems a bit odd to me that there were certain moments like that where it was like, you know, they get captured, they escape, they get captured again, they escape again. There was a little bit of that that kind of went through the film as well, which is a bit frustrating. Do you know the film Face Off? I do know I, the film Face Off. I love Face Off. I'm a big mm. Nicolas Cage fan, but I love the film Face Off. But my problem is when there's action scenes, I don't know, mm-hmm. especially in the latter part, yeah. they don't do a very good job of showing you where people are in relation to people, so you don't <laughs> no, know who's true. in danger it's and true. who's not. Yeah. And that's what I feel like the villains suffer from in this. Like, okay. they're in the they're in the boat mucking yep. around and then all of a sudden the villains are there and you're like, well, where were they? Like, yeah. How did they get? Was this supposed to be tense? Is it supposed to be shock? And at no point, mm. is no point are we like, oh, we've got a day's advance notice on them. They're like, where are the villains? We're like, I don't know. They'll show up in the next scene maybe. And you're like, oh, they yeah, do. Well, yeah. that's convenient, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there's like, I don't know if there's a sense of danger because they don't do a very good job of basically telling us what the villains are up to. And Boyd yeah. Hoybrook as well. I don't know why mm. he's in this film. So I guess because Mangold enjoys working with him. I mean, I I do. But then give him a bigger role. Yeah, kind of. He's just kind of the worst. Um, But I don't know. For the most part, I I kind of, I really did enjoy the film. As I said, I completely get where you're coming from. I do think it's a valid criticism. I do think, yeah, this film, as I said, I think it is always going to be polarizing for people. Um, And it's a difficult one, right? As well, because as we've discussed, like those first three particular so iconic so amazing it's it's always the issue that legacy sequels are gonna have right of you're bringing it back and you think yeah but it's not gonna be as good it's incredibly rare for a legacy sequel to ever live up 
to the hype of what's come before. You know, there's like a handful of films that have pulled it off. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that was my expectation going into this film was like, this is only going to yeah. be number four. Please don't be as bad as Crystal Skull. And I came out of it going, it wasn't. That's a pass for me. <laughs> you know, that's fine. I I genuinely think we should support yeah. this film. As in, I think if you're an Indiana mm. Jones fan, go out and enjoy it. I think yeah. it's nowhere near as bad as Kingdom of Crystal Skull. I think the no. characters are more realistic. 100%. The action the action's kind of like a callback to a better mm. time. There's a great... Uh, like, what are they driving? It's like a three-person taxi. They're not tux- I think they're called tuk-tuks. Oh, they might not be tuk-tuks. I could be wrong. But yes, yeah, but that's, that's a lot of fun. That, yeah. That was that was fun, and it's not... So I've got a problem with, like, over-dramatized and over-choreographed fighting at the minute. So it was yeah. nice to have something that was a bit fun. Gotcha. You know? Agreed. It, it's not it's not superheroes having a fight. It's mm. a geriatric man mm. striving around very badly in a, in a city. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. It's just kind of fun. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Go, go enjoy it. I detested like the last half an hour, but then that's I fair. just genuinely yeah. I hate fair. I hate time travel as a mechanic right now. Okay. I feel like everything is. I mean, I'm going to go mm. see Barbie, and I've, I assume there's going to be time travel in it. Same. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it's true. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. And it? this film is it's struggling as well. It's just the other unfortunate thing about it with the budget and the fact that it went through covid and i think a lot of films that film yeah. through then are struggling with that right if they had to spend extra money and yeah. the, you know there's a, there's a massive discussion at the minute about people going to cinemas and, and so on and so forth so you know i do find it interesting that this comes out around this time and the discussion that's been had around it but i'm with you i think my takeaway is exactly what you just said is this does deserve to be seen this is this is very much a passion project, I think, from James Mangold and Harrison Ford. So for that alone, yeah, give it a watch. I think, like you said, it's it's never going to live up to the originals, but it's also not going to be as terrible as what we've had before. And it's over. So, and it's done. Exactly. And it's done. It's done. So yeah, yeah. that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. But I think I don't know about you. I'd rather they just leave it now. I'm think quite happy. Oh. I don't want it to be remade. I don't want a reboot or a recast in the next sort of you know 10 20 years just just leave it i uh no completely with you i think that harrison you know some certain people out there are very aren't very protective of the characters they play they're always like oh you can reboot it you can remake right. it. you don't really care like the, the the ghostbusters the original mm. they, i imagine they just say yes to anything like bill murray doesn't care about true being vocal anymore but harrison ford has specifically said i'm indiana jones go away yeah please respect that i don't want to see it again and i will be happy because, Agreed. like I said, the British end would have ended after three. We could, mm-hmm. We've all been happily. Well, yeah, yeah, it's so, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, James, I just, I think, really, just want to say thank you so much for for coming on and talking uh, Indiana Jones with me. I, I've genuinely really enjoyed this, and hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun just to talk about arguably some of the most iconic films, one of the most iconic characters, certainly, right, of all time. Yeah, genuine pleasure. So to close us out, I just love to throw it over to you, my friend. Where can the good people find you in your podcast and all the things that you do? Okay, so uh, obviously I'm co-host on the podcast. Sorry, you're in my seat. Mm-hmm. Um, we you can find us all from every podcast provider, from Podbean to Apple Podcasts. Yeah, as you can tell, I don't do the promotion for the podcast. <laughs> uh, new episodes every Monday. We explore the lighter side of films. Nice. Recently, we recently did an episode on Indiana Jones. Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. We did Harrison Ford um you did. come back. Yeah. Check us check us out for well what, what the difference between myself 
and your host you is uh you really look into it. you you basically care about the things that you talk about Aaron and i would just <laughs> Aaron you. and i would just shoot about anything you know no yeah. topic is too low for us we did steven cigar we are that low no, but <laughs> you know what it, you're in a category of podcast my friend that i do enjoy which is just two people having fun chatting yeah not knowing what they're talking about unlike you who's totally like fine. hit me with questions today that you've obviously researched i'm like uh <laughs> <laughs> it's fine the pleasure the pleasure has been mine thank you for having me. i'll be sure to put a bunch of uh, links in the show notes for you and for everybody else to go and find so yeah don't worry about don't worry about the promotional stuff i always take care of that <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> there you go thanks thanks again james thank you very much and there we have it. Thank you so much to James for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of this iconic character in cinema. I hope you guys really enjoyed that discussion as much as I did. Make sure you go and check out James's wonderful podcast, Sorry You're In My Seat. I have left links in the show notes where you can go and check it out on whichever podcast platform you like the most. You can also check out their social media pages, give them a follow, let them know what you thought of this episode, let them know what your thoughts are of Indiana Jones. I'm sure James would love to hear from you. I've also set up a little page on our Discord server, so if you want to head over there and check that out and get in touch with myself and let me know what you think, I would greatly appreciate it and welcome it. Thank you so much for checking out this episode, and if you're not completely sick of my voice, then may I recommend a fantastic podcast which I had the privilege of guesting on recently, and that is Not Just For Kids by one Russell Bailey. You may remember Russell as a previous guest of this podcast. He's brought some wonderful topics and conversations to this very podcast, and he was kind enough to invite me on as part of a Star Wars special series that he was doing. It is an incredible series, well worth checking out, and I was the episode talking about Star Wars animation, which is something I got into fairly recently and really enjoyed having the opportunity to discuss that with Russell. He's a wonderful podcaster, it's a fantastic show, and you should just be listening to it anyway. But if you're not, then by all means, start with this very episode. It'll be a good jumping off point, and you'll thank me later. Links are in the show notes for that as well. And finally, if you have enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, then please just consider doing a few simple things. First and foremost, just tell somebody. I really don't mind how you go about doing that, whether it be social media, in person, or as you're scaling the walls of a collapsing tomb that you are invading. Either way, it goes a long way to helping the podcast reach a new audience, and that's really the aim of this entire endeavour, so please consider doing it if you enjoyed this episode. And if you really like this episode and you want to go one step further, then please consider leaving a five-star review on your favourite podcatcher of choice. I really don't mind which platform, just as long as you let me know so I can head over to that, check it out, and give you a massive shout out on the next episode of the podcast, because it really is the least that I could do. There are links in the show notes as well if you want to buy a t-shirt or a mug or whatever featuring the wonderful artwork by one Alex Jenkins, or if you want to throw in a pound or two towards the podcast, that's also there. But of course, there is zero obligation. The podcast is free and will forever be free, so just check that out if you fancy it. Right, that's enough rambling from me. I'll be back next week with the 90th episode of the podcast. And it is an absolute banger of an episode, if I do say so myself. And that is, of course, all thanks to the wonderful guest that I have in the episode, a dream guest, somebody I've been trying to get on the podcast for well over a year. We finally made it happen, and we had a wonderful discussion about a musical topic. So make sure you are here for that. Until then... Take good care of yourselves, have a great week, and I will see you all next time.